Whitfield and Franklin by Frank Lambert, Peddler in Divinity, George Whitfield and the Transatlantic Revivals, Princeton University Press, 1994, pages 97 to 99, and 110 to 130, and Regarding the Awakenings Generally by Thomas S. Kidd, The Great Awakening, The Roots of Evangelical Christianity in Colonial America, Yale University Press, 2007. For the account of Edwards and the Suffield Awakening in Chapter 5, I have used new material from Douglas L. Winiarski, Jonathan Edwards, Enthusiast, Radical Revivalism and the Great Awakening in the Connecticut Valley, Church History, Volume 74, Number 4, December 2005, pages 683 to 739. I am very appreciative to Thomas S. Kidd and Sarah Miglio for reading a draft of this manuscript, and making many useful suggestions for improvements. I am also grateful to David Bratt for his very helpful work in editing. My thanks are due also to Andrew Baxter White for his expert work on the index. As always, my greatest debt is to Lucy. She is well named. Chapter 1. Edwards, Franklin, and Their Times At the beginning of October 1723, Two remarkable young New Englanders, unknown to each other, dearly hoped to settle in the city of New York. Had they both succeeded, the story of early America would include dramatic accounts of close interactions and conflicts between the two most renowned colonial-born figures of the era. New York City, a town of less than ten thousand, might not have been big enough for the both of them. As it turned out, the New York hopes of both Benjamin Franklin and Jonathan Edwards were quickly dashed and the two probably never met. Two Young Men in British America Benjamin Franklin's New York quest is part of a familiar tale. Not quite eighteen, he broke his printer's apprenticeship with his brother James and secretly embarked on a sloop bound for New York. After delays due to contrary winds, he eventually arrived at the former Dutch seaport, only to find that the sole printer in town, William Bradford, needed no help. Bradford nonetheless suggested that the young man try his luck in Philadelphia, where Bradford's son was a printer and looking for help. The rest is legendary. During the same weeks that Franklin was visiting New York, Jonathan Edwards, having spent the summer at his parents' home in East Windsor, Connecticut, was holding out a last hope to return to the city where he had spent the previous fall and winter. Just turning twenty on October 5, 1723, He had already served as an interim pastor in that cosmopolitan town not far to the south. The young man's months in New York were among the sweetest in his memory, and he had formed some deep personal attachments. He was hoping he might be called back there as the regular pastor of the city's Presbyterian church. But the existence of such a position depended on first healing a schism between the English and Scottish factions of Presbyterians in the city. In October, a delegation sent by Edwards's alma mater, Yale College, reported that the schism could not be healed. There was no opening for Edwards. He would have to wait four more years before finding a venue suited to his high personal and spiritual ambitions. Franklin and Edwards, although about as different in both temperament and commitments as they could be, also had a lot in common. They were both products of the Calvinist culture of New England— and they both came of age in the eighteenth century when it was an open question as to how the ways of the old Puritan experiment could survive in the self-confident modern world of the British Empire and the Enlightenment. Franklin and Edwards responded to this juxtaposition of eighteenth-century British modernity and New England's earlier Puritan heritage 
in almost opposite ways. They represented two sides of the same coin in the emerging American culture during the era before the American Revolution. Each grew to be one of the most influential figures in the British colonial culture of the mid-1700s. Each is better understood if we keep in mind that he lived in the same relatively small colonial world as the other and dealt with many of the same issues. In the case of Jonathan Edwards, it is especially helpful to be reminded that his life paralleled that of the pre-revolutionary Franklin. Edwards died at age 54 in 1758, at a time when no one envisioned the coming break with Great Britain. Franklin lived until 1790, so we remember him as a revolutionary. If he also had died in his mid-fifties, and he did almost die while crossing the Atlantic in 1757, we would have had a very different picture of him. He would still be remembered as a great wit, as British America's most famous scientist.